Hello, everybody. We are excited to be back here having just a really good raw conversation today. Um, it's just Jess and Tess. Tess, how are you? I'm, you know, I, the first thing that I want to say is I'm great, which is interesting because I think I could probably unpack that. Isn't that like such a like interesting response that most people just, I'm great. Yeah. Well, if you can look at somebody in the eye and they say that's great, I, and you can really see them where they're at, it's a little bit different. Totally. And I notice that sometimes when I do that, people won't make eye contact, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah, like totally. kind of look away or. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know, yeah. and go into their busyness. They immediately go to their business. It's great. And we've just been doing soccer and, you know. Yep. Yeah, no, totally. And I think like I'm really busy is also another distraction. Like we're good, but we're so busy. It's like, oh my gosh, great. You know, like you just kind of move past it. It's like, oh, what's been going on? Um, So I would, the first thing I want to say is I'm great. I guess that maybe there's some truth to that. Um, But I think it's been a tough, it's been a tough week. And I, and, and thinking about it, it's been a tough week for us um, on a, on a broader level as, as a society, as a community, as a nation, as a, as a globe. Um, but ricocheting that and breaking that down all the way to the household. So yeah, how are you? Probably a lot the same. And when you were talking, like what came, what came to my mind was like um, having to disappoint people has been like what I've been doing the last couple of days in an effort not to be disappointed at myself for staying in situations that might not be good for me. Um, so an example of that would be, we're, we're supposed to leave to Hawaii on Thursday. And this is like a two and a half year trip that we've kind of waited on for my dad um, and his birthday and you know my brother and his wife and their baby and us are going and Brandon got pulled into overtime, which meant that we couldn't get the COVID test prior to going and it's mandatory to get into Hawaii. And then um, in order for us to go eat at the restaurants that they want, you have to get a COVID test within so many 24 hours, which would mean once we got there, because it's the last day of leaving, we'd have to get another COVID test to be able to eat at this restaurant. And I just started feeling so uneasy. And I started to realize that my internal battle was I was going to either disappoint myself by putting myself in a position where I was uncomfortable, which would be traveling to Hawaii right now, as awful as that sounds, or disappointing my family and saying, you know what, I don't have peace in this right now. And as much as I want to be there, I'm sad to say that we're not going to go. And I really felt just disappointing them is not something that I wanted to be responsible for. So that's kind of like this internal journey that I've been on for the last week, but really like putting myself on a timeline, like I'm leaving, you know, this week Mm -hmm. and being able to communicate that. And then also like not add additional stress in my home because when I feel like that, I'm not really present and I'm irritable. So Kason might really need my attention, but then I'll be like, Hey buddy, can you just give me a minute? And then it's like, Hey, your voice is too loud. And then, you know, you go down that. Um, And then also like protecting Brandon because I didn't want him to feel bad that his job is, you know, because he has to work overtime. So then protecting him in that space with my family so that he's not the bad guy and that he's not the bad guy with my son and just like all these things. And then I sit there and I wonder, does everyone break down a decision like this? And I came to the conclusion that I don't think so, because if we really took into consideration when we make a decision, what it's going to look like on the other side of that. I don't feel like the world would be as messy right now. Families wouldn't be as messy. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think that it, it's, 
truly like finding that balance in the decision making that's difficult because we all know what it feels like to make a decision that is solely in our best interest <laughs> and how that may feel not even in the moment but the 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 fallout of that or the potential fallout of that and then we also know what it feels like to make a decision solely for someone else mm -hmm. when it's not in our best interest or really what we want in our hearts and the fallout from that or the potential fallout from that so how do you get to a place like you're talking about and being so intentional in this decision making that i'm incorporating what is best for me because if if i'm constantly doing what's not best for me or what's in someone else's best interest, who do I end up being? I mean, truly, who am I in this world if I'm just doing what is best for this other person or these other people all the time? Yeah. But then at the same time, who am I if I'm only considering myself? Mm -hmm. And how do I coexist with people that I love and care about and I, and I care about their feelings? Well, I represent that by weighing that into my decision. So it's almost like sometimes it's gonna be a decision that weighs in favor, quote unquote, favor of this person over here. And sometimes it's going to be what I need to do for myself, which sounds like you came to that decision by incorporating all of those things into your thought. I think one of the things that's really hard about this season too, is like, it seems a little bit inconsiderate to cancel the week of on a trip that we planned for a long time. But the problem with what we're living through right now is that things change every day. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the best of intentions with a clear mind and a heart that's pure is that you kind of wait it out because you think that something might change. And so I do feel like from a planning perspective, I'm a little bit more freestyle than I would usually be, which is also adding to my uneasiness because that's not typically how I roll. Um, but you know, trying to give myself grace in it too, because we're all just trying to navigate. And th the other thing too, is when you're making a decision that disappoints someone else, um, and you feel like you've let someone else down, it's when they come back w with that. Well, what if, um, how about if this happens where you start to like renegotiate what's already been renegotiated in your mind before you got to the decision. And I think sometimes that we find ourselves, even at that point, we've made a decision and then we're, you know, if it's like with people, then we start renegotiating with them. Sure. And then a lot of times people will make the decision opposite of what they went into that conversation with. And then they go home and their mental space is even more chaotic. Totally. And, you know, we talk about mental wellness a lot. And I think a lot of times it's these little decisions that add up that take up space mentally or make us feel uneasy or on edge. And then we start to feel like we're mentally declining. Where like, I want to stay ahead of it and say, this has taken up a couple days now. I need to get out of the problem into the solution and then move on. And in order to really move on and not go backwards is to understand where you're coming from clearly. Yeah, and I, you said something that's really important, best of intentions, right? And I think that we hang our hat on that a lot, and some of it is genuine, and some of it is not genuine, right? I mean, we we can only come from the place where we can honestly reflect on and say we were coming from there. And, and in your point, I think that, like you said, this, this trip was planned two and a half years ago. There was no point over that two and a half years that you thought you weren't going to make that trip. You were thinking, okay. And then when it comes closer and closer, I think that we start getting into that mindset of like, it'll just work out. Mm -hmm. Like things just figure a way out. It just yeah. works out. But we don't live in that world anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And we haven't for some time now. Um, and things don't just 
really kind of work out like that anymore. There's so much that goes into even just traveling to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas before you could like, you know, go to mimosas for brunch and buy a ticket to Hawaii because you had too many of them and you're on the plane three hours later. We don't have that type of, we just don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, you know, some of that can just be, you know, prior thinking put into a position of current times Mm -hmm. um, that just puts you in a position where it's like you get up too close to it and you're like, "There's, there's just way too many logistics here. Yeah. It's like throwing too many balls in the air. And then, you know, I feel like no matter what right now, it always somehow becomes part of the conversation of like COVID. And you're like, I really don't want to like talk about COVID and I don't want it to be the excuse or the pinpoint because then it's, then everyone's got their own mixed feelings on it and perspectives and it's like a whole nother bag of worms. But you can even talk about it just logistically. I I recently went to Hawaii Mm -hmm. and I can tell you, ain't nobody going to Hawaii and not worrying about COVID. I mean, it is in your face. Like you said, to go to this restaurant mm-hmm. is this pre-planning. You got to bring your vaccination card, whatever. Show your that you've tested negative within a certain period of time. Well, if I'm spending eight days in Hawaii, like how many times am I having to go through this in order to enjoy a meal indoors? And I can also tell you that there's not a lot of availability and outdoor seating because of that very reason, right? Mm-hmm. Because people have to show all this stuff to be indoors. So it is yes is it something because it's like philosophical or that there's people have these deep-seated feelings about COVID and what it is yes but there's another component like logistically that this does affect your life whatever you believe about it or not like you cannot totally. work around yeah. those very strict guidelines and that it, it was it was a beast to get over there and to quote unquote enjoy Hawaii um, while being faced with all that you know, and I think too, when you really think about like your position where you stand, like I'm a voice for someone else too, right? And I have a little boy. And so he's been really protected through this. We've made lots of decisions for him not to be impacted or to have to know what's going on. And we felt like that was best for him, the way he's wired and who he is as a human being. And so to be this far along in this process and not have that impact, like he hasn't dealt with that. And then all of a sudden go somewhere where it's like, now we're going to do it eight times just kind of seem like contradicting what we've stood on as well as if did, am I really trying to protect him or now it's just convenient and I'm not going to, and then he's going to have all these questions because it's going to expose him to something else. And so right. just thought, you know, no, our piece has always been in protecting him more of, as an emotional human being. And, um, I think that's where I found my peace. Again, it took me being real quiet with myself, you know, um, getting quiet in the activities around me so that I could hear myself process. And that's just how I am. When I'm in that deep place of trying to figure out what's going on, even sounds to me can really like interrupt the process. I know that sounds really weird, but I understand myself enough to know what that space needs to look like so that I know that I'm coming from the foundation of where I stand in it. And it's not a convenience thing, a lack of wanting to disappoint people pleasing, you name it, right? Because I think you and I both know that if we make decisions from places that we don't really understand, um, we'll end up back there at some point. Oh, absolutely. You're going to be shown the same assignment over and over again until it really resonates, right? And you really understand the lesson in that. And and I'll be vulnerable here. I think um, I've realized 
just even over the last week of having just a lot of emotional things happen in my personal life while having business being the best that it's ever been since I started the law firm, um, just having that dichotomy exist and trying to work through those feelings, I've realized that I have taken on some coping skills and some things where I have not taken care of myself in the interest of building a business, which is necessary to some extent. But, you know, in my MO, and I'll just speak to this candidly, my MO, I grew up in a family where you work really hard and then you come home and you pour yourself a drink and you eat dinner and you have another drink and you're relaxed and you're watching a show and then you're going to bed and you repeat the same thing over again, right? And I've had to take a really hard look at that because what's happening is I'm working really hard during the day and then my time to connect, I'm you know, I'm some version of myself that's trying to relax and that's not connection. And so that has war on my relationships and that is something that I am responsible for. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and it's all leans on example and what I was shown. Right. But it's so easy to default to that. Mm -hmm. Like that has always been my default. I've certainly come out of it before and been like, Oh, you know, I want to do stuff differently, but that is a default setting. Yeah right? Like a a subconscious default setting that is hard for me to even understand sometimes why it's not good, Mm -hmm. why it doesn't work until I prove to myself again that it doesn't work, which is where I'm at right now. And it's like, okay, like you, so what are the things that you have control over in this situation that you aren't taking control of, Mm -hmm. you know? And I know that we all have those things that we can take control of, Mm -hmm that we either don't want to, or we don't want to accept that we can, um, take control of. And I like, you know, taking care of myself has been something that I have abandoned in the interest of these things that I'm trying to do. Yeah. The distractions, there's a lot of them. Um, you know, right now this phone, right, right here, I can go on to check on my husband that's been at work since Saturday and won't come home until Wednesday. It's a long time and go to text him. And as soon as I swipe up, there are so many distractions and I don't even get notifications to my phone for things, but the world is just messy right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll forget by the time I'll, I'll literally sit with the phone in my hand and be like, what was I, I forget what I was going to do. And I feel like right now you have to be so intentional with getting things done, like how does that look? What's your process? And how are you keeping yourself accountable to that? And I really, really, really feel so grateful that I'm a part of EO because there is no pivoting in that. You are held to high standards and you are checking in every three weeks in a pretty deep dive intensive setting. That is good. A hundred percent. I mean, that is necessary. I need to be checked like that, though, in every area of my life. So are you going to do Jack's? um, He's doing a personal development after. A hundred percent. And I actually sent him an email and asked if he could include people's business partners, spouses, because this is an this is a all in type thing, right? I can't bring, I can't do a strategic plan for life and then go home and talk to my spouse about how I'm going to implement all these things in that's not going to work. Right. Um, so if that's going to be true, it's an all in. So what do you say? He said, Oh my gosh, yes, that's a great idea. 
I'll send that out when I send the announcement out. What a awesome thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, because this can't just be us, right? We understand from a business perspective going into that deep dive. And when he sent that out, I'm like, man, my first thought was, man, I wish I could just introduce this to the household. It's like, why not? That's good that you sent that because they're leaning on feedback for that kind of stuff as well, you know, Mm -hmm. and they want to give their time and resources to make an impact. And so if that's going to make a bigger impact by opening that door to spouses or partners, then why not do that? And I do feel like if you pay, if you look on their website, when there's um, events and stuff taking place, it says plus one a lot of the times for us to bring a guest or mm-hmm. they, you know, they open or maybe it's just part of it, you yeah. know, but I do really love that because we leave those things on a high and it can be a doozy when you're leaving that high and then it's not as high going home. Right. Where you're like, uh, you know, it's yeah. like conflicting. A hundred percent. No. And I, I was explaining to Mackenzie a couple of days ago in a very emotional conversation that it felt like my business life was on a major incline and my personal life was on a major decline and they were passing each other. And it's like, how do you try and get that those things to coexist together where they can both be on a good uphill trajectory? And isn't that for most of us, the biggest quandary that you could have in your life is how do I get all these things, all of these pieces of my life to, to coexist and make sense and be thriving, not just surviving, but thriving at the same time. And is it possible? I'd like to get as close to that as possible. Well, you have people like Jack Mm -hmm. that's in my opinion, nailed it. So is it possible? Yes. What are they doing to protect the space? And I think more than anything right now, it comes down to that. You know, it's like, what are you doing to protect that creative space, that family space, that's that space for intimacy with your partner, um, that safe space for your kids? And it comes back to what you just said. If you're not taking care of yourself and creating that space for you first, it's it's not at some point the wheels are going to fall off of the bus and it's not going to work, you know? And I think we've both got enough years underneath our belt to understand this to be true. And so when we start to see that we repeat things that we've done before, I think that's where it becomes like an internal trigger for me where it becomes emotional. Like why or how am I back anywhere similar to something that was so. Right. And, and, and I think that I, it's easy for me too. I don't know if you can relate to this to like beat myself up about how am I back to this feeling? It's not, the situation looks different. It's a feeling. How am I back in this feeling? And I have to be careful too, to not, over correlate because I can start actually projecting onto my current, the current people, places, things, businesses in my life and, and think, oh, well, it's the same shit show as back here. Right. And that's not necessarily true. I'm, my mind is going to a similar feeling and then what surrounded that, but where I have to be careful. And I love that you brought this up is like self care and and guarding that space. I, for me personally, I have to be careful what it is that I think self-care is. And that's kind of what I was talking about. It's like, I'll go like, for me, it's like, man, I've had a long week. I just want to go, I'm gonna go hang out with my sister or my, my dad or my family or whatever. And their whole thing is like, Hey, have you tried this new like whiskey and you've done this and like, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh, like that's good. And that's fun. And we're chilling and we're hanging and stuff. And, and that's not good for me mentally. And it has taken me 39 years Mm -hmm. to realize that that is a part of my life that I need to unpack Mm -hmm. and resolve. 
in order to be the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard to talk about those things and whatever that is for people that are listening, you know, when, whatever you're trying to guard as your, you know, safe space or relaxation or your whatever, um, is that, is it a healthy for you? Mm -hmm. B is it healthy for the people around you and that where you're trying to have growth and where you're trying to have breakthrough? Is that complementary to it or is it taking something away from that? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'll, I easily give up working out for, a night out easily yeah well, I think we get pulled in so many different directions that you know the people that deserve our time and attention are the last ones that get it mm -hmm. including us yep. and we see that a lot in business where I just think it comes down to communication like hey the next three months are really hectic in business I'm going to be very consumed in it but I promise in exchange you know, whatever. My Saturdays and Sundays are devoted to the family uninterrupted. Um, but we have to slow down enough to be intentional with that that conversation instead of just flying by the seat of our pants, you know, and, and letting... Right. And believe me, like, I want to be invited to all the things and I want to do all the things and I hate declining all the things. But if we're not good as a family unit and it starts disrupting the peace in my home, I have no problem declining outside of my home. Right. And that's, I mean, the, uh, and, and I've always heard that from you. And I think that what's amazing is to have such conviction about something that, that it can be like, it, it can't be penetrated. Right. Like a lot of people, I think make a decision. Oh, that sounds good. You know, it sounds good that I should have this standard mm -hmm. and it's good for a couple weeks until something quote unquote more important, or there's an excuse to do something different. Yeah. Like you said, the convenience of, you know, showing your son, something different when I've laid, I spent so much time laying this foundation and mm -hmm. being like, here, buddy, like, here's what we believe. This is why we believe it. And then doing the opposite and saying, well, this is the exception. Well, imagine what I'm teaching him in the exception. Right. Exactly. Right. I'm teaching him more in that than I am of that slow and steady, consistent over and over. Cause when I say over and over, those are decisions that I've had to make in different situations, but the same decision coming back to the same thing to show my consistency. And I want him to feel safe with me as his mother that he has seen that implemented in the home unwavering, period. Right. That's just how it is. And so again, it, it, you can get into that fast, busy, yes, 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 and not see the complications of that being kind of conflicting to where you stand in things or how you feel about things and put yourself in a position where it can be uncomfortable. And um, I'm just, like I said, it's um, that for me is where I really have to tune into like my mental health. Like, why do I feel so funky? Or why don't I want to be around anybody right now? Or why am, you know? And it's because I'm sitting here internalizing these things where it's like, speak up, make your decision, move on. And it's, it's like anything. You feel so much better once you're there. Of course. For me, I don't know why. I mean, obviously, I identified it fairly quickly, but I wish I would have done it 24 hours sooner, too. You know what I mean? Because my sleep has been interrupted because of it, you know? Yep. And it's and it's such, like, a little thing. I mean, but when you lose, I think, too, like, some of this, it kind of unpack it even more so is when you lose a parent like I did so young. I understand to the core of who I am that time is precious and time with people we love is precious and we don't ever get it back. 
when it's gone, it's gone. And so then I'll go down that weird spot in my head where I'm like, well, what if something happens and we don't see him? Like, and then I'm going to regret not going and then all these things. And you have to like reel it back and put it back into perspective in those moments, right? Because that's not a healthy place to let your mind go either. No, and I I think we all do that in little ways over time too, right? I mean, I can definitely say that I do that with Miles, right? If I don't do this, then this might happen, and then the repercussions would be that, and I would feel this way. It's like, holy mental gymnastics. Like, nothing has happened. And all we can do, like you're saying, is like, go within, you know, rest with that or sit with that thought or decision and then move forward in action, knowing that we don't have control over the domino pieces, right? I mean, it, it it is what it is, but I think having faith in the fact that I could navigate any situation, you know, whatever may come of my life or these events that I feel like I can move through it. And also recognizing like, what is a negotiation? So when I'm having that conversation with myself, like, well, what, what happens if you know, something happens to him, I just need to go and like, you know, suck it up. That's a negotiation. That is me trying to negotiate and bend kind of where I stand in order to please somebody else or not let them down. And, um, you know, at the end of it, I didn't want him to feel unloved is really what it was. So when I started that conversation, I started with love not like just making it disappointing. I wanted to, him to feel my confidence in my decision in love. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where I'm coming from. This is where I stand. My dad knows who I am. And so, you know, it was, it's all good. And, and the thing is, is it raises the bar on how people respect you and love you, to be honest with you. Absolutely. People, um, including my daddy, you know, he followed up with a text message and he's like, I want you to know that I love your consistent unwavering and where you stand with things. Because even though that's my dad, my dad also feels safe in my presence because he knows that I come from a place of knowing. And that's it. And it's not a place of like convincing somebody. It's just like, just knows what's good for her, you know? And she's right. gonna go with that. As opposed to, you know, well, dad, I just like totally, you know what, this isn't gonna work because it's just not convenient right now. And, you know, I just, we have a lot going on right now. And like, you know, the, the, the feeling of that when it's like, like that sends a message of like, this is just isn't important enough to me, right? Or, or too, how many times we make an excuse not to, to avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. So then we're not honest about why we're making a decision. Right. We use something else to- right. And that, to me, is the worst negotiation internally that you can do because if you can't be honest with where you stand, then it's like putting blinders on the person in front of you and you're not trusting them to respect you and love you in return. But I don't think that people understand that that is a worth thing and we devalue our worth when we do that because we are then already telling ourselves, whether we realize it or not, this person is not going to love me if they knew my truth. And I want to be able to speak in my truth and know that where you stand, that you still respect and love me instead of, because the younger Jessica, I feel like a lot of times would be like, yeah, I'm just going to slide this one under, or I'm not going to tell them really what I think, I'm, you know, and part of growing into who you are so that you have this voice is to truly be okay standing in your knowingness. It's a good thing. It's beautiful. It is. And I think where and I guess I'll speak from experience where I've gotten into trouble in the past and and I'm so grateful that I've come leaps and bounds from that is that like, you know, I, 
it's like if I speak this truth and I don't know what the other person's going to do or how they're going to respond to that. And so I may be responsible for some feeling that they have because of how I feel. And then there's also, I think, like you said, and there's a great point is like what the value of yourself determines whether or not you're able to be honest with other people mm-hmm. about where you're at and, and what you need, yeah. right? A need that needs to be met or is not being met. I mean, how hard is that too, to express like, hey, you know, I, I have this very specific need, especially in our closest relationships mm-hmm. and that need isn't being met and have that other pe- person be able to say whether or not that is a need that they can meet. Right. Or yeah. maybe not right now, but maybe at some future time. Um, that is something that has required a lot of work too. And I think um, coming from um, an earlier marriage that was full of just smokescreen, whatever, blah, blah, um, not a lot of honesty there, clearly. But um, coming from that, I think I have been so much more confident in asserting you know, who I am and what that looks like. And also knowing, there's a knowing when you go through stuff and live life, like stuff that we've been through, that I'm gonna be okay, mm-hmm. right? Like this is hard, this is painful, this is emotional, it's necessary, and I'm also gonna be okay. No matter where this goes, no matter you know what is right, I have to speak it because living in the untruth is so much more painful. Yeah, it makes it harder. It makes it, it's, it's, you're basically voluntarily suffering yeah. um, for some unknown, I mean, for the sake of, like we said, for the sake of someone else, for the sake of, I don't know, for the sake of feeling that I'm not good enough to go out and have something that I'm that more worthy of. I don't want to say better, but that's a better fit for me spiritually, emotionally, for my life, for my life's path. Mm-hmm. But if I can't let go of what isn't going to work for me, I can't ever get to that place where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, and and live in your true purpose, which is important, right? right? So last night I'm I'm in my office and um, Kason was wanting to play airplanes, okay? And I'm like trying to figure this all out in my head. And, you know, it's hard at that point to show up as a mom, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, like... <laughs> I don't really want to do that right now, but I need to do that right now. I need to meet a need of his. And I found this like bag up in my closet in my office. And it was a bag that um, I had put stuff of my mom's in, like important things. But I, you know, every so often, and when I say every so often, years, the bag appears and I'll open it up. And I found myself like now off track, right? Like he's called me. I'm like, give me 10 minutes and I'll come in. And who knows how long I actually sat on the floor. But um, all of her medical, not all, but medical records of hers were in there. I found this court document from when I was fighting custody for my sister. And it was so wild how it took me back in time because it was time stamped. You know, court documents are time stamped and they're all, you know, it's through the lawyer. And I, it, was, it was right before I was um, getting ready to actually be granted guardian of Olivia. And, you know, I had been fighting the state and then fighting this other lady for her. And I was having to basically defend myself as a person that I was capable of raising her. And it took me back into that place of knowing, like, that was so hard because I was put in a position where I had to defend myself in a time where there was no reason for me to do, have to do that. And then also grieving, like, and but what it did is it made me realize how far I'd come because I was so broken back there. I mean, I could remember sitting on the floor, the crying, and this and the that. 
But so that was kind of cool to see. And I'm like, dang, that's wild. You know, and it seemed like a lifetime ago, which is great that it seems like a lifetime ago and I can't relate to it anymore. That's when you know there's growth because there's there was a time where I would read that and it would the tears would come again. And and that's not necessarily healthy. But then there was this paper my mom had wrote on it, which is like, it's amazing when you can see somebody's writing or like hear their voice. It's just soothing. And so I was reading it and on it, you know, there was a part I've always wondered if my mom knew the Lord, like if she really knew the Lord, did she give her life? Like, did she, did she go to heaven? Like, how does this all look? You know, because we went to church, but like we weren't in church, if that makes sense. And my mom was a really quiet woman in that sense. So the older that I get and the more that I become on my journey of the, following the Holy Spirit and all of that, I really quietly wonder about that. So on this piece of paper, it says, you know, I looked out the window today at my neighbors and couldn't help but think, does their life feel as hard as mine? And then it's like another paragraph. And it's like, I got down on my knees today and asked the Lord, you know, if he would take me and forgive me of my sins and, you know, and went into that. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. It was wild, the amount of peace that went over my mind in that, that same piece of paper that I have found over the last, you know, decade that I've read, but for some reason that didn't stand out to me. Like why didn't, when I was wondering about her unwavering love for Jesus, did she, did she confess that? Like all of these things had been on that same paper. I've read that before, but I just, it shout out off the paper. So it was like so amazing last night because I'm in a place of making this and I'm dealing with my dad and not wanting to disappoint him. And then all of a sudden my mom's in my space. And then all of a sudden I feel this healing and I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, you know, uh, give your grace, but look how much you've healed. Like, look how far you've come, you know? And I don't think a lot of times, or at least I don't really like celebrate the journey of healing of like, you know what? That was freaking hard. And I wasn't quite sure where I was going to land from that. You know, that was one of those like scary depression. I thought it was going to suck me up whole, but it doesn't even affect me now. It doesn't even get a dabble. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times what we see now or what I'm seeing with clients and in conversations is that more people are partnering on the side of dabbling in that sadness and that we've all probably felt it to some magnitude in hard things that we've dealt with. But because the world outside of our homes feels hard and sometimes in our home, that people carry that, they partner with that and they forget that they've survived the last hard thing. Because if you're standing here today, there's a hard thing that you've survived. You've made it through it, you know? Yeah. And I love your point about you've read that several times over decades in your life, but never have had that stand out to you, but have actually questioned that very thing. I think that that just speaks volumes to what we're putting our attention to or where we are at in a moment will be reflected back to us in what we can see. Like whether that's something that we're, whether it's a book we're reading or a note from a loved one that passed away, where we are in our life and something that we maybe need to see or hear is going to be presented at that time, whether we've seen and heard it before. Yeah. And so I think that it's important for people to sit in past, not in, in the way that you said, in a healed way, to look, be able to look back and understand and really think about and sit in what I've been through because there's great value to that in understanding where I am now mm -hmm. and how I can move through 
this chapter of if it's a sadness, if it's a grief, it's a darkness that I can glean something from that that maybe I didn't see even back then before. Yeah, because we see things differently when we're in different places. Absolutely. So I'm going to read this. This popped up. So it's funny because like you said, when you're giving your attention or maybe you're just trying to heal in a certain spot, things will, you'll, you'll see things differently. You'll be able to read them differently. And this popped up on um, my timeline. And I say this all the time now, but it's what goes with it. So it says, people always judge us gym rats as self-absorbed and arrogant. They never stop to think that maybe the gym was our escape from hardship or hell. So let me go into saying this because this will show you growth. So it says, um, I remember the days when I would cry constantly when doctors prescribed me every kind of antidepressant or an anxiety pill, when I did not understand my feelings at all, when I drank a glass of wine to unwind, when a cigarette seemed better than sitting still, when going out uh, sounded better That, oh, um, sounded better than uh, staying home and reading a book. I remember making doctors cry when I would share my story, but I also remember them telling me that I needed to take a pill to feel better and probably for the rest of my life. I often wonder why no one encouraged me to work out or to pray. Today, the only things that make me feel better in discomfort is working out, and it is my relationship with God. When I realized that death had changed me, I also learned what I needed to accept and to stop resisting it, that pills and alcohol and cigarettes would not fix my pain, that no amount of tears would bring her back. I had to teach myself to fail forward instead of backwards, that maybe as crazy and miserable as it was that I needed to feel it all so I could become awake, um, censored, or centered and spiritual in my life moving forward. I remember the day I made a promise to myself to understand myself completely to rebuild my life and to love every faucet of it. And no matter what, to have boundaries for the way people were allowed to treat me. Yes, working out the, um, helped me achieve all of this, but it's a mindset and self-development and working out saved my life. I would be lying if I said that I don't want a beautiful physique, but I would also be lying if I didn't share my truth. Working out was how I learned to heal from death, depression and overcome fear. It required me to show up. It required me to do my part. Right after my mom died, I didn't show up to anything but my bed. Today, I continue to show up. I'm in constant growth and have several mentors that guide me. Now I get to teach others through my own story. And the teaching always comes back to this. You have to start loving yourself. Crazy. This was in 2015. It popped up on my timeline today because somebody was going through my Instagram and liked it. And I'm like, what is that? Because, you know, it's in like the notification. And I tapped on, I even remember. 2015, it's 2022. Talk about another time today where I'm like, wow, I remember those days, you know? Was Casey even born? Uh, He was born. That was a year after he was born. 2014. And, you know, I went through really bad postpartum with Kaysen, really bad, where I started feeling like that depression again, because, you know, you start speaking of yourself, like, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like this? You know, and we have to stop speaking over ourselves, the brokenness, like it's OK to have broken moments. But to say that you're unfixable is a lie. I'm not a doctor, you know, but I've come from a place where I really did feel like I was unfixable. 
And I told myself for so many years that nobody would ever be able to love me. Um, I told myself for so many years that my current situation was the best it would ever be. Um, you know, I told myself for a lot of years that I wasn't that great of a mother. I've told myself all these lies and then I believed them. And it's really hard to live in all the wonderful things that this life has for you, this blueprint that we each have, the contributions to the world that need us to show up and be our best self when we're not living in our truth. And I think that's why it's so important, especially right now that we're linking arms with people that can remind us of that when we're in a season of not knowing. Because I'm not saying that every day I wake up and I'm like, yeah, got this dialed, I just shared, I don't. But what's the discipline in your day or with your people to where you can go and get the resources you need when maybe your resources in your own tool belt is not sufficient for the day? And I think that those are the kind of conversations that we lack in our day in and day out lives. And I know somebody like me that's really strong where it can feel discouraging, you know, when you can't pick up the phone and just have like, I'm having one of those days, you know? And I think a lot of people use humor. Like oh, definitely to, to like, you know, not really show the emotional side of it. I, I don't feel like I have a lot of humor. I wish I had more. I feel like I'm a little bit more like, oh, you want to talk about something nice and deep? And that's me, you know, but I, I love humor. Like lighten it up. But I have a lot of friends that only walk with humor and you're like, they seem like they don't have a lot of emotion. Right. Right. So I don't know. I feel like there's just this cool thing happening. There's a lot of people looking for healing right now. And it's probably one of the number one questions I get is how. And you have to ask yourself, what is it that you need? My healing looked different because I needed things that were different. I was dealing with grief and I didn't know what that was. And I was dealing, you know, with healing from a little girl and, and all these things that I had to learn. I had to find people and resources for that. That's part of the process. If somebody just cookie cuttered you, here's your healing you're not really gonna get out of it what you need, right? Because it right. all looks different. You, it is, healing takes work. It takes you putting reps in just like it does in the gym. And if you really, really want it, once you open that up to discovering what that looks like for you, you're opening up this really uncomfortable at first journey of really understanding a whole different side to who you are. And it's actually really beautiful to be in a place where you can be broken in an effort to like, and when I say broken, like cracked open so that you can actually like heal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think stop thinking that someone else is going to fix this or is going to come in and save, right? If, if you're single, you're looking for a relationship. If you're in a relationship, you're looking for a new one or to be single. You know, it's like that whole like rat race thinking that this discomfort's going to go away if I'm somewhere else. And that's not true. It, it is not true wherever, wherever you, you are yeah. <laughs> wherever you go <laughs> there you are <laughs> for sure and i was going to say you know wherever whatever that circumstance looks like for you you know the, my, my revelations are usually when my eyes open at four o'clock in the morning because i'm not sleeping well and all of the things of life and business and all of that are going through my mind and that's a very quiet time right and that's when my most honest thoughts appear in my mind and i've fought it for a while you know oh that's just because i'm whatever no it's not because of whatever it's because that's the time where the thought can get in right and and that that quiet time exists to the extent to be able to have that honesty come through and there's authentic communication trying to come through mm -hmm. you know and i think for a while i've been asking what can I do differently? What can I bring to the table that's different so that I can move out of 
this feeling, this circumstance, this whatever I'm stuck in, what can I do? And I think that's a really important first question. It's not to look outward. That this is not, the answer is not out there. No, and you're comparing your life, uh, the stage of your life that you're in, or maybe in your marriage or with your kids to somebody else's, and you don't, it's like trying to compare your business with somebody that's been in business for 25 years and you're on day five. You know, you just can't, you can't do that. Also, um, the deception, right? And what people post, we talked about this with Kyle last week, is we are so distracted by things that aren't real. I mean, it just is what it is. And if you're basing your worth and the you know the health of your family on things that you see on social media, you're probably not gauging that very well. And if you're trying to replace things that are bothering you by social media, probably not a good thing either. Right. And that's what, you know, something that when I, when I bring up kind of my vices and where my, where I need to improve and make better and take a good hard look at things, you know, for some people that could be the scrolling addiction at night. Right. And like you said, where is that taking you to? It's because it's not going to lead to authentic connection where you are right now ever. And so that's not my thing. I don't really care that much about social media. I probably could, should care a little bit more, you know, as a business person, but, um, I can't really get myself to, to care enough, I guess. Well, that's why there's other people that do that better than I do. Um, but whatever that is to be able to honestly take a look at it. And I think that for me, that's always been the hardest part. And when I say not take a look at it, take an honest look at it. And I think we all know on that deeper level, the things that we could change to make our circumstances better. So for our listeners, I know that this has been something that's been on the hearts of many, um, is I want to encourage you to just say yes to stepping into growth in the space of healing whatever is hurt within you. And just really like peeling back the layers of understanding why that thing hurts and how you can Uh, face it head on so that you can not be allowing it to take up space moving forward. And I just want to say that if healing was easy, everyone would do it. But when you first do it, it's so uncomfortable. And I understand why people don't do it. Because when you have to sit alone and you have to feel things that you have been avoiding for a really long time, it is the most uncomfortable space that I've ever been in honestly like it just enhances the already crappiness that you're feeling even more so because like you said there are things that you have to take accountability for in it you know and if you really want to grow you get to understand yourself more so that you know how to pivot respond and do things better moving forward you are worth the investment of figuring out like really who are you at the core of your spirit and what really brings you joy so that you can eliminate things along the way moving forward in this lifetime so that you have more joy, more peace, less chaos, less guilt because you're in a place of, of being healed. And then when you get hurt, because that's going to happen even once you're healed from past traumas and hurts, is that you'll be able to heal quicker through it because you'll have seen the freedom that came with the, what the healing that you've already done. And so if there's anything that I hope you can take away from today and all of the conversations we have is that to have conversations like we're having right now is to come from a place of sitting in discomfort, of being uneasy, of not knowing, and then ultimately healing 
and then giving it away. And that's why I love this. That's why I've loved the Sisterhood Collective. That's why I love digging in with um, our guests when they come on is because we get so many cool little nuggets from everybody on how they did it in their tough times. And so I hope you feel encouraged by listening to us today. Yeah, and, and if you're here on this earth, your journey's not done, and that's the same for us and all the guests that we talk to. This isn't supposed to be from a place of, oh, I've reached this end goal, let me you know, help you get to the top. There, there is no finish line to this, right? Well, there is a finish line, but um, if you're still here listening to this podcast, you haven't reached it yet. Yeah, and you have a purpose. <laughs> if you're still yes. here and you're listening to this, you have a purpose, and Tess and I wanna link arms with people like you, and we wanna encourage you that I really feel like this year is about um, claiming what is ours. And I said that back in January, I felt that heavily going into the end of the year. But all those things that you've been bookshelving that are on your heart, weighing on you that you've always wanted to do, this is the time to set it in motion. Am I saying that it's gonna happen this year? No, maybe it is. Some things that are on my heart, I start you know, fertilizing it now, but the fruit really doesn't bear for years. But there's something in knowing that you're you're pursuing it and not just thinking about it. Um, hold yourself accountable to those things because you deserve that life that you're envisioning. And um, so do the people around you. They deserve to see you happy. Yeah, and I would say start with the pain point. Mm-hmm. Identify the pain point because that's where your squeaky wheel is. And the squeaky wheel, if you can get that thing oiled up first, you know, the, the wheel's going to start moving faster. And so do the thing that you don't want to do. Tess, I love when you come on and I love having these conversations and I'm so happy that we get to do this every week and I'm looking forward to some awesome guests coming up too. Same. I feel very lucky to be here. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Have a great week and we'll be back here next week.